Welcome, dear listener. We're back again. We're talking Batman because this is the I Am The Night podcast. We're talking this week about the episode Vendetta, which introduces another classic Bat-villain. Episode 23 of the show and our episode 20. And with me, as always, is dear old Adam. Uh, It's a pleasure to be back trudging through the strange sewers of Gotham looking at another (laughs) classic villain, aren't we? In the first appearance of Killer Croc. Killer Croc, indeed. A fairly new character in terms of Batman lore. Um, originally appearing in the early 80s. Um, so not like uh, one of the guys from the 40s, like Penguin or Joker or Riddler, but still a very important villain, a very different villain, and another one that you can have a little bit of sympathy for because of his grotesque appearance. But um, I do like this version of the character. He's different. I like the way that the writer Michael Reeves has introduced him and changed his origin Bringing it a little bit more up to date. I'd say he's taken ownership of the thing that's made him different because there's so easy to identify with the sort of freaks that Batman sort of puts himself up against. But this Killer Croc has taken ownership of the fact that he's scaly and violent and dangerous and is doing what he can to try and like clear his name and get some revenge. Uh, he's not fussed and he's not shying away. He's just using the sewers as like his weapon as his tool to just get uh, the goal that he set himself out to do. Absolutely. And I love the whole um, wrestling angle because that makes so much sense. And I do think, again, that we need to credit the brilliant creators, not just this show, but the Batman Adventures comic book series that accompanied it because they actually had a flashback chapter um, where you see Waylon as a wrestler and actually as not that much of a villain before his... uh, turn to crime so I think I need to dig up that issue and read that again now after watching this episode and that's another thing that's magic about this series it makes you think back and want to look at more aspects of not just Batman but his rogues gallery as well yeah it also is a good testament that there's the tie-in comic is so good that it's drawing viewers of this show back to the original media. It's making mm. people want to be interested in reading comics that are slightly around it and then want to branch out into the wider comics as a whole. It's a really rewarding thing, especially seeing as there's a nice mirroring between like the TV and the comics that it still makes sense to whoever wants to read it or watch it. It's fantastic because I do remember when I used to collect the comic book series that it totally stood on its own. But when you read the comic and watched the show, they brought out more in each other, made each other better. So, yep, I really want to dig out that comic again because of this lovely little episode. Definitely. Uh, The quality of a good villain is also really made important by how they wrap themselves in the drama and the scenario. And we have a little, a lovely little character portrait of not only just this character, but one of the other great presence in the police force, Mr. Harvey Bullock, he's given a real spotlight here. And we viewers have to sort of question whether or not he's trustworthy and can be believed in this episode. And it's nice to see him sort of potentially have a bit of growth by the end of the episode, probably. Not just the end of the episode. I think you can see a real progression in this character from when we first met him in the show to now. And that's another thing I love about this series. They've got this character who you can see is starting to soften towards Batman and vice versa. Batman, clear as they admit, that he wasn't sure 
Harvey was on the up and up. And even in the comics, Harvey's always been one of those police officers that, yes, he was a great cop, but he was always one step shy of going the other way. And there's a classic story where Gordon is shot and it's left very, very unclear as to whether Bullock is behind um, the person who did the shooting getting his just desserts at the end of the story. And again, he's a lot more like Batman than Batman would care to admit. And that's part of the reason I love the character so much. They have that interesting tension of both of them willing to use slightly dubious or heavy or over-excessive means to get the right result, which um, is a really nice tension, especially for what we class as heroic characters. Like, you expect, like, your lawful goods, your paradigms of justice, like like Jim Gordon, Mm -hmm. definitely. And maybe to a wider extent, Superman. We get expect them to go out to do the right thing the right way. These characters aren't like that. They do the right thing however they can. And sure, we've seen... Harvey in the past have like his ego sort of like make himself seem more important than what he'd actually done to try and get save the day and get the bad guy but we've seen him somewhat move away from that as he's grown a bit of humility and seen a literal piece of his past come back to bite him so we get a very nice side of growth for him over the course of the thing it's funny you say that because I actually think that that whole air he puts on in the earlier episodes where look at me I'm the big I am is actually a sign of insecurity he wants to crack the case he wants to make it big because he doesn't quite believe in himself and he puts that front on and i've seen it in so many occasions in real life and that's the other thing that you mentioned that these aren't two-dimensional cardboard cutout characters every single character in this show has a background a history a personality and a growth over the course of the seasons it's really remarkable to see growth of this scale in my well, shows like established now it shows yeah well over 20 episodes it's grounded and solid within itself so we so we've seen like enough of a stop to see the characters really progress and grow into themselves but it's still a quite a large and deep growth for, for still relatively short time yes there's more places that these characters can go that's still true to the media but still something new that we can expect it's Really rewarding to see that they can treat the character so well. Yeah. And 23 episodes of any show is a complete season in most cases. I mean, I know that these episodes are half as long as most TV shows, but um, Harvey hasn't appeared in every one, but in every one he does appear in, you see real character development. And the relationship between him and Batman is changing and growing as well and that leads me quite neatly onto the subject of the Dark Knight himself uh, director Frank Power has really undone himself, outdone himself in this episode because tell me the visuals the lightning the negatives, the explosions the way Batman appears like a wraith like a shadow in the night and whenever Croc appears too where you recognise that silhouette but you don't actually see his full form until he comes out in that cave and, and, and faces the two hoods he's uh, kidnapped. And beautiful episode to look at this week. It's a great one of atmosphere this week. Because the, um, the first half-ish, I would say, is entirely done in not quite Blade Runner rain, but still fairly heavy rain. Yeah. 
it's done in a intense, dramatic sort of way to make feel, make you feel like the events that are going on are so heavy, they're oppressive, they're beating yes. down on Batman, on Bullock, on all of those cops looking out for that boat. When you couple that with the sights of Batman just like being flashes in the gaps of the thunder and the lightning, when you see Croc as this just shadow emerging emerging out from under the water, we really feel that there's an intimidating presence here. And it has to be an intimidating presence when we see two hardened criminals, and we know they're hardened because they have goofy nicknames. (laughs) When we see two hardened criminals like that be plucked away and are happy to see Batman, we know that there's some intimidating force here. So we're really treated by atmosphere and like intense repercussions and consequences in this episode and it's really nice to see and it's just all done in the direction and the way that certain characters are placed and handled yeah and Croc himself a real villain that you feel could give Batman a challenge physically yeah um, his strength his demeanour his tough skin the fact he seems to be amphibious and then you throw in the pro wrestler training and that that enhanced strength and he really is of course to be reckoned with in this episode and I have to obviously of course um, as I always do have a brief word about the actor that played him Aaron Kincaid who sadly is no longer with us but even though he um, is mainly known for voiceover work and being uh, a character actor in animation he did make tons of movies and the cartoons he appeared in are like a who's who of some of the greatest ever, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, DuckTales, Smurfs, and he played Skylinks in the original Transformers G1 series. So, you know, great, great voice actor. And he does give a lot of personality to the character. Which is a very nice thing to see. It's very easy to sort of, like, wear down a character like this into this sort of gruff, mindless, animalistic monster man. Seeing him as someone... A little bit vulnerable, but someone who's still owning their revenge story. Someone who's going out with the methodical process of plucking that guy off the boat with a bomb, plucking that guy out from prison, dragging them under the sewers, staking out Harvey's car. There's real methodical, deliberate actions that this character takes. And then you couple it with the intense like physical power that he has. I'll, I'll always remember the first-ish other than this real sight I got of Killer Croc was in the Arkham games mm. I still reference those as one of the, some of the best games I've ever played hugely loved the f- the sequence in the first Arkham game when you actually fight Killer Croc you don't really fight him because you can't take him you're walking through the sewers yeah. and every now and then he would jump out you'd have to throw a batarang at him or else he will get you wow. so there's a nice bit of like suspense horror there in that game which was a really great sequence but that just reminds me that he was this huge hulking presence so the fact that they still played into that here but still gave him a reason to sort of go along with what he was doing and why he was doing it was a really nice telling of the character that made him feel like a character rather than just monster of the week yeah absolutely right and what's beautiful is is they seem to have married again something this show does magnificently they seem to have married the best aspects of the character because in the comics well you know anything that has to run for decades years and years and years and years has to every now and then reinvent with varying degrees of success the characters they're telling stories about and Croc has been everything from 
a criminal mastermind, almost like a, the closest I can probably describe him is like Kingpin from Daredevil, but obviously just the strength is, it matches as well. But he's also gone from his skin condition mutating even further, so he's become more bestial and animalistic and literally just almost more like a Hulk figure where he's literally just there to destroy. And this version, the fact they've thrown in the pro wrestling to give him his fighting skills plus his condition, but he's still smart. He's out to get revenge for what happened to him because Bullock got him locked away. And he went from small-time crook and he's upped his ante and upped his game. And we'll see that again in, in further episodes. And I love the way that they made him a smarter character because... That whole thing of anyone who's really, really strong is just dumb is one of those old tropes that I can't stand. And the best example, or worst example, depending which way you want to look at it, was the way they totally made Bane ridiculous in Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin, which was just, like, painful to me, because Bane is frighteningly intelligent, almost on Bruce's level himself. So, listen, even the, the GCPD agree with me, because they've just driven past and said, Steve, you're so right. <laughs> there's a wonderful level of respect that yes. this show gives to every character that they handle, even the new ones, even yes. the ones that they've sort of written into wider comics lore, and they've been able to do that here. Obviously, there's a scope to explain where his skin condition comes from, how it's affected his strength, how it's given him this literal crocodile-like jaw mm. visage thing which makes him look extra scary, but... As for right now, we're uncontent with the very strong, the very calculating yeah. criminal presence. Absolutely. He's very, very well written. And like I said, a perfect marriage of everything the character had been to. Because at that point, the character had been around 15 years, 20 years, if that. Because now, early 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s. Wow, Killer Croc's been around for over 40 years in the comics. That's, that's pretty cool. So he has developed a lot. And honestly... This version of him in the animated series is one of my favourites. Yes, they've been able to handle the character with a lot of respect, and that's something we have to really respect the showrunners for. Uh, I'm very impressed with the uh, villain that could be mishandled in the way that we yeah. feel like the, the brutish, mindless animal man and muscle. They've shown him a lot of respect and given him a lot of layers, which you wouldn't expect, but it's really nice to see. Absolutely. And speaking of layers and respect, once again... Harvey, we already talked about. We have to again mention Bob Hastings and, uh, well, as, as Commissioner Gordon and Renee, who actually speaks this week. And the the way they are just like pillars of steel in, in Batman's life, and the beautiful comedy moments with Alfred. Again, I, I cannot fault the character work and the acting in this show. There's. The, the people, they are real yeah. visions of how characters like this would interact. It's a wonderful line to hear um, for what uh, Jim Gordon say, for once, my friend, I hope you're wrong. Yes. He's referring to talk, speaking out to Brilliant. Batman. I'm glad you brought that line up. In the middle of darkness, because he, he wants to believe in Harvey Bullock. He wants to... Um, clear the name of his well we've seen it before in, the first, in, in POV where he's defending his officers nail and tooth against the uh, internal affairs people it's something that I think is a significant problem with the law enforcement in Gotham they're just not trustworthy because again as well we can talk about like that 
wonderful humanism and Alfred's comedy, we have to circle back to the yeah. big, yeah, yeah. shady, antagonistic presence in Gotham. It's not Falcone Moroni, it's Rupert Thorne. Thorne. Never trust a man who gardens at night. Don't do it. Yeah. In a huge greenhouse at the top of a skyscraper. He has That's the money. money and power. He has the money to swing that, so it's a natural place for him to do that, but still don't trust a figure like that. I, I, it's a, it's a writing trope sort of thing, which I kind of respect. It's just them sort of showing and exercising control. It's them manicuring their plants in an ideal state because that's the sort of environment they want to put in the outside world. So when you see a character do something like that, or like doing a ship in a bottle, or doing something really fiddly, mm. that's them... An insight into their mindset. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, Thorn was not the main character in this episode. But he's enough of a presence where you're still wary of him. And these constant little reminders, if it's just a throwaway comment here or a little cameo like he has in this episode, remind you that keep an eye on this character. This character's going to be a bigger deal than he is right now. And the pacing, quality of writing, and the way they've layered this show, much more like an ongoing live-action drama than a, a cartoon kids show where it was just adventure of the week and that is a joy to see and experience again all these years later it's a real testament of the bravery that they're putting into this show yeah. that they can sort of pace it and arrange it like that even dealing with the themes of like post-traumatic stress and yeah. um, corrupt policemen is not the kind of content you'd get from this kind of media anymore Absolutely. which is why it's still so powerful 25 years on and as comics readers we know that the Gotham of Batman's early years was as corrupt a place as possible and more cops were in the mob's pocket than were actually on the straight and narrow. So we do have that slight fear of maybe this version of Harvey is slightly on the wrong side of that fence. But again, we're rewarded as comics readers to find out that that isn't the case. Here's the Harvey we know and love. And it's brilliant for viewers of the show that they'll go on that road and they're meeting Harvey for the first time so again we've got that beautiful position with this series that it works for anyone who's never read a comic and it works for anyone who's never seen or heard of Batman and it works for all of those who are lifelong fans like you and I are there's a certain universal nature to really simple stories that respect the law that they came from yeah. but don't push it on you absolutely they don't shove it down your throat it's points yeah. of inspiration to build the story around but it's not something to like press upon you which I think certain kinds of media could be guilty of yes but and this and this show could have easily very done oh, yeah. much done that but they've handled it in such a way so that it's still relevant but it's not something essential and it lets you learn it in a way that isn't deeply oppressive and like it being beaten over the head with. Yeah, I mean, like you said, unlike 80 plus years of comics, which would be hard for anyone to catch up with, if you really want to tell anyone, listen, if you want to see a really good vision of Batman and all aspects of the character, the easiest way is watch this show. Very much so. It's still a great piece of media for anyone who knows Batman and wants to know Batman. It just draws you back in with such sincerity and it's really really great to see lovely so it's that time of the show again where I have to ask you Adam 
takeaways, things that stood out for you, favourite moments, not so favourite moments. What was your uh, main takeaway from this episode? I'm still pleasantly surprised that we get to see Batman having to work for his answers and work for yeah. his results. We get it in both cases, to be perfectly honest. We see him as the detective, mm. wondering how the scale could possibly be what it is, whether this toothpick actually did come from Bullock. But then we also see him fighting someone who is physically far outclassing him despite Batman's mm. immense training. And we also see him in the uh, away field disadvantage with Killer Croc using the sewers as this yes. perfect place to sort of get the upper hand and the advantage. It was a really good struggle that we felt like we saw Batman earn this win. And in the end, he didn't really do it for any level of credit. He did it to clear the name of a good cop. Absolutely. Real great character moments. I have to say that with this episode, what I loved was the comic bookness of it. From the Bat-Sub to Alfred in the cave, exasperated that Bruce will not eat a meal to the extent where he now presents his meals in microwavable um, utensils that he can then reheat the meal later. And the way that that microwavable croc gives Batman the idea about, oh, a croc and little magic touches like that. Um, the constant disappearing acts in front of Jim where Jim said, I hate when he does that and it's almost a weekly occurrence now and it's still a joy to behold and the fact he does it to Bullock too and what you said Batman as a detective from simple things like rifling through a filing cabinet to looking at a scale and saying this is a reptile scale but it's got human DNA and little touches like that that just make me smile Really, really great writing, great direction, beautiful voice acting from everyone involved. Um, another winner, another winner of an episode. Now that you pointed it out, another thing that I really enjoyed was how, with the benefit of hindsight, we yeah. can see just how influential and inspirational this this show was. When you get it giving visuals to two very opposite but very important pieces of Batman media. When Batman first speaks to Bullock, he, no, not even Bullock, sorry, when he speaks to Thorn, mm. he has him sort of racked up and hanging from the fire escape, just like what Batman did to Flash and Batman Begins. Yes. Then you reminded me with him with the microwavable soup in the crock pot, uh, that's exactly how he ha reheats his lobster thermidor at the beginning of Lego Batman. Oh, of course. Still to this day, that show isn't just affecting us. It's affecting it's Batman affecting Media. Batman Media. Wow. Well spotted. <laughs> I love that. That is brilliant. Well, I, I could have said it better myself. Listeners, listen, straight from uh, someone who's obviously been a lot more observant than me this week. Absolutely brilliant. Right. So, yep, that was Vendetta, episode 23 of season one of Batman the Animated Series. Terrific episode. One that actually makes me want to read the comics again. And they're in my office. They're to hand. I'm going to read that chapter. Seeing Killer Croc as a pro wrestler once again. And while I'm doing that. Adam can tell you where on the internet you can find him. 
He is available on Twitter at IzzetTinkerer, I-Z-Z-E-T, Tinkerer. You can find me promoting and speculating on certain aspects of my one true love tabletop gaming. You can find our writing on FantasticUniverses.com, where I speculate about more such tabletop games. But coming back to the bat sphere, I review many titles per month on Dark News and DC Comics News. You can also find me most weeknights uh, GMT on twitch.tv forward slash no ordinary heroes streaming tabletop role playing games with my nearest and dearest and you can find me in the dark of the mirror and you sir in the dungeons uh, I'm owner publisher and editor of Fantastic Universe's our website as well as editor in chief on the magnificent Batman site Dark Knight News and of course podcaster writer reviewer and interviewer for DC Comics News and both those sites are across the internet, darknightnews.com, dccomicsnews.com. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube. And as for this show, it's one of three, along with the DC Comics News podcasts, where we talk movies, TV, comics, games, and everything that's DC-related every week. And, of course, the Spinner Rack, where we recommend the five top DC releases every week. Um, something we can't do at the moment obviously with the lockdown but we can still provide you with hopefully three entertaining podcasts some great retro reviews and stuff to keep you happy and um, get your mind out of the real world even if it's just for a, a few hours a week so that's us this has been the I Am The Night podcast and Adam Ray is the night we are the night together and Adam what do our listeners really need to do? Read more comics and watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Bye now.